and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, Episode 360. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. A warm Louisville, Kentucky. I'm very happy about it. And this is a Monday episode. And being that it's 360, that means it's a roundtable episode. And we'll get to see who's going to be on the panel tonight. But first, let's get to our co-captains. Uh, let's go out to Los Angeles, California, La La Land, the City of Angels. Mr. Andre Dominguez, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing all right, Mike. I'm lying horizontal here on the on the stoop on top of an ice pack because uh, as if, you know, being an inner 50-year-old man wasn't enough, I <laughs> slipped in the shower and hurt my back. So that's been fun. <laughs> there's no way with you laying down that you will not fall asleep on this on this episode. That's there's no way. No well, way. We've got a loud gray lab timer to wake me up. So we'll be <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on out to uh, to Virginia uh, to uh, um, Miss Jessica Jones. How are you doing tonight, Jess? I'm doing all right. I like that Andre keeps zooming in bigger on him, so it looks pretty good. I'm doing even better now. But uh, yeah, nice and warm weather here. I'm loving it. I'm excited. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, for the our, our guests tonight, and who will be members of this uh, illustrious roundtable uh, roundtable episode, uh, we're going to start out in uh, Brisbane, Australia, uh, from the Matt Loves Cameras podcast, Mr. Matt Murray. How you doing tonight, Matt? G'day, Mike. I'm doing very well, thank you. It's a beautiful day here in Brisbane. It's autumn, nice and sunny outside, a little bit chilly in the house, but it's all good here. Do you remember um, an Australian band? I think it was maybe one of the members of like the church and they did like a side project called Jack Frost. Do you remember that band by uh, chance? Yeah. Vaguely remember them. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I was living in England when they were around though. So I don't okay. know too many of their songs. I think they came I out did... like one album. And I th- the reason it brings, I think they had a song about Brisbane. Like, Oh, <laughs> right. Was, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I did but, see uh, the church in Dublin in a, in a little pub once many, many years ago when I was young. Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, and then our other guests all the way out in, Hawaii. Aloha, Big Mike, Mr. Mike Caputo. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Mike? Very well, thank you. Hi. <laughs> uh, so this, this is, as you can tell, should be an entertaining, uh, if, I, if our pre-recording has anything uh, uh, anything to show, I think this is going to be an entertaining episode. We got some, some, we got some personalities on this on this episode tonight, so uh, we'll see how this how this how long it takes us to go off the tracks. But uh, so let's uh, we don't have to like get to know these fine gentlemen. They've been on an episode before. Uh, Matt uh, tells you all about his photography on his own podcast anyway, so you can just listen to that. Find all about him anyway. So and uh, everybody knows Mr. Mike Caputo anyway, and uh, uh, the maker of uh, some of the funniest. Um, videos i've seen on the facebook group in quite some time uh the the uh i, I quite enjoyed the western style uh tlr shootout that you did uh, uh my, Mike. oh yeah my buddy chris every time we get together we have a, a shootout he's got a nice rolly though he's got a nice rolly flex i usually always have you know knockoff or something but but then you I'm have quicker the... on the draw so that's all that really matters i was gonna say didn't you have the the yashika win i think i think you did like uh... i always win yeah, it's my damn video. Of course, I'm gonna win. <laughs> oh, that that and the Holga in like the the Ziploc bag on the board oh, yeah. or strapped with like duct tape onto the fireman helmet. Like you you you've got some bangers on there, Mister Caputo. That was a fun one. The guys the guys at work were a, a little. Um, 
they were interested. They're like, what the hell is that thing on your helmet? <laughs> wow, it's my GoPro, my whole GoPro. <laughs> nice. All right, well, <laughs> since we uh, got a pretty good understanding of uh, who these gentlemen are, we can kind of just go ahead and jump into our weeks and leave more time to discuss some real hot topics in the film community. The things that are just just burning people up and just the burning questions. That's what we that's what we attempt to answer on these on these uh, on these episodes. So let's go ahead and find out what everybody's been up to lately. Uh, we always start with Mr. Andre Dominguez. Why would we uh, go anywhere else? And uh, so, Andre, what have you been up to while you're laying down in your uh, little restful uh, pose there? <laughs> well. <laughs> Are you, are you trying to look? Are you trying to look sexy for the video? Because kind of oh, I kind of looks like a kind of looks like a like a like a pinup spread sort of or something. But uh, <laughs> uh, he's single now. He's got to. Oh, that's right. He's back well, on the market. It's gonna yeah. be one of those video files that I conveniently lose. <laughs> and don't ever end up putting on YouTube. Um, well, other than uh, embarrassingly injuring my back, uh, the the past couple of weekends actually. I've gone to now that I'm, you know, fully vaccinated, gone to a couple of different beers and cameras meetups, which have been so great to see people in person that I haven't seen in a long time, uh, fondle some cool cameras, drink some good beer. Uh, one of the guys that I met at uh, this one last weekend in Orange County actually uh, gave me his like, you know, heated print dryer for for fiber base prints uh so i've got that in the in the trunk i, I went you know right out. i cut myself off at a safe point and then uh drove over to to his place to pick it up from his garage and he was basically like man you don't know how happy my wife is gonna be to to have this huge thing out of the the garage because i think he can do up to like a sixteen by twenty. Uh, oh, I gotta interrupt you, dude. You got one for fiber based prints. Yeah, a print dryer. Nice. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Really, really uh, cool thing. You know, there's some some cobwebs on it, but we plugged it in and made sure that it was still working. So once I clean it up uh, and and start experimenting with this uh, Ilford multi grade Art three hundred cotton rag paper. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be putting it to good use because there's nothing more frustrating than some really curly uh, fiber prints. That's some. Of, that's my favorite. One of my favorite papers. I use that all the time, man. That's a great paper. Have you printed on it much? I haven't personally, but uh, my my buddy Mike Kukovica sent me a few prints that that he's made on it, and it's just got such a cool look. For for those who aren't super familiar with it, it's a 100% uh, cotton rag uh, paper made by Hanamula that then has an Ilford, you know, multi-grade emulsion just right on it with no barita layer. So you get all of that like really nice. Uh, texture and feel and they market it as being like especially well suited to like hand coloring and toning uh so i'm, I'm excited to to play around with that I, I i went to like an art supplies store today and bought some paint brushes and some some watercolor paints and i, I just want to you know get creative with it maybe do some mixed media stuff uh, just expand my horizons a little bit. Resin. It's really cool. I printed with it a lot. It's super cool paper. I love that stuff. And then it's got a really nice texture. One little thing is um, I noticed to get really deep blacks, I would do a lot of split grade printing and maybe just 
blast it with the number five for you know a couple extra seconds even if i was using the number three filter just hit it with that five for a little bit to really get the blacks come out in that r300 it's awesome stuff man pro tips here coming in from hawaii thank you so much there you go there you go <laughs> somebody hey you know uh somebody that knows more about shit than the, than the people that do this podcast so that's uh it's always uh, always nice <laughs> uh, we, we, don't, we don't market ourselves on our on our uh, technical knowledge do we <laughs> no no i have none man just trial and error <laughs> uh andre is that pretty much uh, what you got going on uh pretty much yeah Awesome. And uh, so let's move on over to uh, to Jess. Jess, what have you been up to? Mostly work lately. Springtime makes the brewery busy. So I've been mm-hmm. working a lot, trying to shoot a little in between, get out on the river, brought my little yellow waterproof camera, uh, went and shot at one of the salvage stores recently, and got a new camera backpack because I've got some traveling to do soon. So my old backpack wasn't cutting it anymore, so I'm pretty excited to use it. But that's that's pretty much it. I'm trying to develop some. I got some more C41 chemicals in. They're on back order for a little while, so I'll be good to go here soon. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, let's move on, move on over to uh, let's go with uh, let's go Matt. Matt Murray, what have you been up to lately? I've uh, been pretty busy. Um, I'm working on two zines uh, that are going to come out in May. Uh, so the first one is called Rolled Gold, which is a, a bit of Aussie slang. Um, but it's basically <laughs> when I used um, the Olympus LT1 point and shoot for a whole year uh, with Kodak Gold 200. That was part of uh, Sherry Christensen's Frugal film project in 2019. So I'm making a zine about it. So it's about using the same camera and film the whole year and how, you know, you don't always have to be after the next camera or the next this or the next that. Sometimes the one you have is is pretty damn good. Um, but it's also about um, in 2019. I also uh, we also went overseas twice, which was unusual. So it's also looking looking at the images now. It's also about kind of what we lost in the last year or so. I mean, obviously, you know, there's been so much um, you know illness and stuff around the world with COVID and and devastation of uh, the economy and stuff like that. But on on a more personal note, you know, we used to travel a lot, and so now you know we can't go anywhere. So it's kind of uh, thinking about things that um, you know you took for granted maybe in the past, and 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 now you can't do. Uh, and the second zine I'm working on is a, a little one about uh, my favorite Polaroids. And then I also did uh, two interviews. Gosh, I've been busy. Um, I did one with J- Jeff and Gabe um, from I Dream of Cameras. I tried oh, awesome. to snare. I tried to snare them first, but uh, another podcast got in before me. Um, <laughs> and that should be coming out the same time as uh, this show comes out in a few hours. Did, uh, and, um, did did they did they sing you a song like they sang me a song? No, Jeff <laughs> Jeff gave me a, a warning. You said because you're not like an old fart like the Gutterman, you don't get a song yet. So <laughs> I'm I'm only 46. So I've got to wait four years. I think I think that's the the lowdown of it. You know, I think I think it might be. Yeah. <laughs> the last but, uh, thing I did this week, look what I did. I loaded up this Minolta Vectus with nice. APS. So I've, I've taken cool. two images with APS film. Yes, well, it is the hottest trend in film photography. It's taking over the world by storm. I think we all know that. And Matt, you ah. good to see you're finally becoming a cool kid. You know, so uh, that's uh, <laughs> uh, very nice. Um, that that first scene you were talking about. Now, did you spell that R O A D G O D E? Is that rolled? Ro- no, uh, rolled. R O L L E D. Rolled. 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 Gold. That's so in Australia, rolled gold. Either means something's really good or something's really crap. Yeah. So if someone's 
if someone if someone's talking corporate, you know, corporate speak about, you know, some redundancies or something, you'd say, oh, man, that's some roll gold bullshit. You know, like it's just completely, you know, or, or you could also say something's um, being being Australian slang. It can be completely weird. So you could say something's a rolled gold opportunity or. Yeah. So it, it means something really good or really bad. And so that's that's good for my photos because you might think they're either really good or really bad. At, you know, <laughs> well, Mike, I don't, can you say I, that? Yeah, sure. Sure. Oh, Road go. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know this. There's there's no L in these words, people. I don't know why you all <laughs> pronounce these L's like uh, they're not there. And uh, so, <laughs> is it rolled gold the the brand of those like pretzels here in the U.S.? Yeah, oh, really? it is. Yeah, we have pretzels. I'm like get sued by a pretzel company. That sucks. <laughs> we have I'll have to give it a, an, an alternate American title for export. Just call it Road Goad. Road Goad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just change change it to R O A D G O G O A D maybe Road Goad. Speaking of American pronunciations, I've noticed that some people drop the. I mean, you know, Australians and English people, we all have our all our little in- intricacies of the language. But I've noticed some Americans drop their T's, so they won't say mountain. I say mountain. Is any like? Well, you notice that I'm Ooh, originally I, from the Midwest, from Chicago, and yeah. we definitely drop our teeth. Like my name is Caputo, but yeah. nobody, you know, it's Caputo. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a D. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're 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 sitting here on the stoop in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> right. The mountains. Well, well, I don't know. I, I might argue this because, like, I've noticed this with, like, uh, when you listen to some of the English podcasts, they they are always like little, little. I got a little walk. camera. There's always that little, little camera, and uh, so yeah. But uh, I don't know. That's I'm, I'm getting better at my English accent. I think everybody can admit that. And uh, <laughs> but hello, uh, <laughs> Gabna. We're having a oh, like show here tonight. <laughs> I like that your mouth opens all the way up when you try and talk in an English accent. Like, so huge. <laughs> I wish everyone could see it. Well, they will. Maybe one of these days when Andre gets uh, off his ass. So, but uh, they won't. But, They're not going to see this. This video isn't going to see the light of day. Can't even see Andre anymore. Right. All right, Mike. Uh, what have you been up to lately? Not much. <laughs> Jess, what kind of waterproof camera you got? Oh, God. I forgot the name of it. It's some Bobo one that a family friend gave me. Yeah, Bobo? what is that thing called? Is it uh, a A Weathermatic? Yes. There you the go. The Minolta. Okay. Weathermatic. Weathermatic. Right? Yeah. Cool. I feel like cool. I have another nice. Minolta Hymatic that's different. Yeah, so those the, are yellow you one. the 35 mil version or the 110? Yeah. The thirty-five. I got the one ten. Yeah, that one ten one is is cool looking, but it sucks. <laughs> I mean, one ten is just because it out. takes one ten, or yeah, I never had any luck with one ten. But yeah, yeah, Matt, yeah. you, you got a podcast, man. huh? Yeah, Matt loves cameras. I love nice. cameras. Apparently, I'll have to check it out. I, I wasn't aware. I'm gonna have a listen right after Excellent. this. Thank you, mate. Yeah, cool. Cool. See, see, yeah. see, Matt. See what we've done for you. We've already increased your your audience by one, about at least one person. You, you've doubled us. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, well, so, it's Mike, been really busy for me. I had a really busy. Um, what month is this? This is May. I had a really busy April. Yeah, I. Um, 
I've been putting together a zine myself, and yes, it's with over fifty photographers. Mike's one of them, so it's called America Fifty on Film, and <laughs> I got fit over fifty photographers together, one representing each state, and it's a black and white film photography zine. And I just finished, so everyone sent me um, up to five photos, black and white photos. They they described uh you know their film type the chemistry developing i asked for a, a brief bio so the zine goes from we'll go from alphabetical order starting alabama and all the way to wyoming everyone has a, a two-page spread and i selected you know anywhere between two and five photos to lay out in the zine and this way you get to travel across america with um with a photography zine so awesome. Dude, I thought I, it would be a snap. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'll just get 50, uh, you know, over 50 film photographers together. It'd be no problem. I'll be done by uh, Tuesday. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave everybody three weeks to send me something in case they wanted to shoot fresh for uh, the zine. And, you know, some people just used old favorites. Others sent me others shot fresh for the zine. But I think it's really cool, you know, that, I mean, it's just people send in some beautiful photos and at the end of it is where you'll see all their processing notes and film selection and stuff like that. So I, I was basically working every spare minute I had to put this thing together and uh -huh. I'm getting my print proof copy tomorrow. So as long as everything looks good and I don't have to make any tweaks, um, should be available on Wednesday for everyone. Awesome. From, uh, a direct link to buy. Yeah. And so, awesome. Gutterman, what was your contribution? Some fire escapes or the old? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I this was a project I could get behind. I'm like, I'm still trying to like get something for Matt's uh, 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 Lomo Purple uh, uh, zine. I'm still trying to get. I'm trying to get out this week to shoot something for Matt's uh, project. But the the one with Mike was nice because. I could use photos I already taken and God knows I haven't taken much photography lately. So I was like, man, I could just pull some ODs out. And, um, the funny thing was, as I, I hit up Mike and I was like, I was like, Hey Mike, um, how do you feel about, uh, how do you feel about some, some nudes? <laughs> and I was like, I've got, I've got some Kentucky stuff, but I have some very like, like uh, they're not really nudes. I mean, I got some tasteful, stuff that i've right. never been it's able nothing to you can whack it to at all right <laughs> <laughs> but i have and I've, but i've got i had some like some tasteful stuff i was like i can't i've never really felt like it belonged on social media i'm like but this is something i can throw one of them in there you know just kind of finally spotlight that hey mike does something besides a fire escape and a and a, and a vintage sign or whatever so uh but so yeah i, I don't know if it made the cut mike but i, I did it did it did so okay the reason why i asked for five though was because of the ability to play with the layout, you know, yeah. because everybody's got their bio on the left page with their social media account or their website, right? And then I just wanted to at least have enough photos to be able to play with the orientation and stuff on the page. So uh, everyone at least has two of their photos on there. And some people have, you know, all five, just depending on how it worked with the layout for their two-page spread, what I thought looked great. How, how many? How, how many of mine made it in my in my spread? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Mike, well, are they self-portrait nudes? Because you should start an only. <laughs> <laughs> that would have got oh, the they, cover. 
I'm very excited. <laughs> they are they are not self portraits, and uh, but I, but I sent like you know I, I like the idea of like uh, the fact that he was like that Mike is putting in like he wanted specifically some things that like from also from your state. So I sent some very Kentucky things and some very Louisville things or whatever. Uh, but I also think that, you know, I didn't want it just to be all just Kentucky shots or whatever. So I wanted to put something else, a little, a little, a little personal stamp in there. And I think a lot of photographers probably did that, Mike. Is it, is it, did you find that yeah, kind of be the I, case? I asked, everybody was asking. Um, and I said, look, uh, something, at least maybe one photo that kind of represents your geographical area in whatever way you perceive. Right. And right. then the rest can be whatever. I don't care. They don't they don't even have to be from your state, you know, but mm-hmm. just something. And all the photos I got were really, really cool. So this thing, I think I think it turned into something really special. I mean, when I oh, think pages myself, it's it's pretty amazing. And I'm just really um, thankful that, you know, everybody sent me their work and trusted me with this project. And it's been really it's been really fun to work on, but uh, it was a lot of work. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, man. I, I, th- I think it's a, a a super cool thing you did, man, and I think it's uh, going to be a really, really uh, big hit with the community. And like, I know you sent like some example photos, and um, I can imagine like uh, th- th- some samples you sent us uh, to people that were when we were all trying to figure out what to send you and all this stuff. And um, when you're going through it, do you start do you get sort of a vibe of each state by looking at everybody's photography? Do you start kind of seeing like like when you're in Nevada, do you see things that that kind of remind you what like oh, yeah. you kind of think of Absolutely. that? So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, a lot of them have picturesque type stuff for that state too, which is mm-hmm. cool. And then so maybe something like that, and then but they also send in a few photos of their portrait work, so that might be included as well. Because right. I wanted to not only just highlight a state, but the photographer's individual style, what they like, how they like to shoot, you know, and just the the wide variety of you know you get you get people from all fifty states, and some states had more than one photographer i broke my own rule i was initially gonna have only one per state but it's my fucking zine man i'll do what i want right so <laughs> i sent out invites and um i was like oh i'm not gonna tell this guy no i already invited him. so anyway and it's a big country and some states are very large geographically and in population so you know some of the bigger states actually have more than one photographer okay so yeah i think i think the thing runs about um 130 or 40 pages or so wow so like some of the bigger states it's like an electoral college they got more uh, they got more votes huh. in the uh, like, yeah <laughs> texas florida they got a couple i mean the, the 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 really cool thing is just the wide variety of style and you know it's all black and white film but how mm-hmm. different and different developing techniques and just how, how different people shoot it's I, I think it's really cool and um I'm just I can't wait to have a printed copy in my hand. Oh, so, I'm super I'm super excited about it. So when and so we're looking at probably sometime this week we'll we'll be able to find out where to uh uh where to order this, right? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it out to everybody who who participated, a direct link. I was trying to figure out, you know, fifty people, what's the best way to do this? So I used a premium magazine from Blurb and this way I've used them before, and I like them. They're nice. You know, it's a nice satin page. It's a 9.5 by 12.5 magazine. So I'm going to put a direct link up, and then, you know, you could just purchase it directly from the printer. And awesome. everyone will have that link. And this way I'm not shipping like 500 or 100 to my right, house. Right, right. 
Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. We'll definitely. So uh, I'll that def- took up basically all of April. I thought it'd take up like a week. It's like a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I must have put a hundred hours into this at least. I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, we will uh, be sure to like uh, be spreading that uh, spreading that link uh, on this podcast and on the Facebook group when it comes out as well. So we'll try to try to get you get you some reward for your efforts, man. Like that's uh, that's a hell of an undertaking, and uh, I think um, I think it's just a super cool community thing you've done there. So uh, uh, big nice. thanks to you for that, man. So yeah. But uh, okay, uh, as far as me, I uh, I got my second COVID vaccination last week, and uh, uh, and I it, I got to say it kicked my ass for about thirty six hours, but you know worth it. Get your shots, folks. But like, but it, but the, here, here's here's where I screwed up. Uh, I got my second COVID shot. This is why we didn't have a show last week. I got it on a Monday evening. I knew I was probably going to feel bad that night, but the next day I had a college uh, visit trip planned with my oldest son. He's to check out a college he was thinking about attending and i had to get up early tuesday to do that did not know uh of course it was like a four-hour drive to this college campus and i did not know how bad i was going to feel tuesday so i drove for four hours like in and out of fevers and fever chills i was like oh this is the worst decision ever (laughs) and and i was so like looking forward to this a really pretty campus and i was looking forward to like taking some photography you know while we're taking the tour and stuff and i brought a film camera and like i felt so horrible i think i took four photos like total the entire day we were there and i because i was like the sun was beaming down on me and i'm in in and out of like fevers chills all day and i'm like this is the worst decision of my life (laughs) but the good thing is my son did end up deciding that's where he wants to go so he found his college so uh that that was good i guess but um yeah uh, he's going to go to uh, Denison University in Granville, Ohio. So it's a very um, small uh, college, very uh, kind of esteemed. So uh, oh, out of state. Um, yeah, going four hours away from uh, from me and and uh, and Mrs. Manette. So uh, I, I I'm happy for him. He's super excited. I don't know how happy uh, Manette is, but uh, she she's gonna <laughs> four hours is a little further away than I think she wanted him to go. But this is a really good school, and I think it's going to be uh, uh, really good for him. So, but um, so how old is uh, he now? He's uh, he's 18 now. He's in his yep. f- finishing his last of high school. So next fall he'll be going into college. So and awesome. uh, university. So um, yeah. So we got a couple more months with him. So <laughs> so, but um, and then uh, then like so then we had the Kentucky Derby this last weekend, and I was like, okay, well I'm going to a family thing. Almost everybody's vaccinated. We can like hug each other again, and like that was awesome. You know, like and hugging and seeing people I hadn't seen. Some people I hadn't seen in over a year since the pandemic and all this. And uh, so we go to this derby party, and I brought a little camera. And I was going to take some snapshots. And uh, in that case, I wasn't feeling bad. I was finally over the, <laughs> the vaccine-itis. But, uh, but I was so caught up in, like, talking to people I hadn't seen for, like, a year. Like, I just – photography just didn't enter my mind, man. It was just like, you know, I don't know have you, have you, don't have you, how many times you guys have been in social settings uh, with a lot of people uh, and since this whole thing has – you know, since this last year or whatever. But – this is only the second time I've been kind of around a, a bigger social setting in the last month or so, uh, or actually in the last year, but like twice in the last month. And like, I'm kind of like, it's over stimulus when you're around a bunch of people again, cause you're not used to it. And it's kind of weird, man. Like, and, uh, like, Oh, there's somebody there I need to talk to. There's somebody there I need to talk to. And like, I don't know. Photography just didn't really enter my mind. I think I might've taken like two photos. So I, I'm, I am struggling folks. Uh, like I managed to, uh, get maybe six photos done, uh, this, this week. And, and I've been laid off from Ford all week because of, uh, the microchip shortage that's kind of affecting the whole auto industry right now. But, and I'm off again next week or this week, I should say. So hopefully I'll get something done. Maybe I'll get uh, Matt Murray's uh, Lomo purple thing. How much time do I got left on that, Matt? 
Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Um, so the the deadline for the Lomo Purple competition and Zine uh, is the it's technically it's the fifteenth of May, um, but I'm not going to be doing the judging until early June. So if you're going to be after the fifteenth of May, uh, let me know and I'll keep a space open for you. Um, so yeah, it, it's May the fifteenth, and we've got twenty entries now. So I'm hoping there's a, a maybe get up to twenty four. Awesome. Is it going to be freshies? Yeah, well, kind of. It's got to be, uh, you can shoot any type of uh, Lomo Purple. So it can be 35 mil, 120, or your favorite Mike Caputo, 110. Um, but you've got to <laughs> shoot it between February and, uh, you know, end of May. So it's kind of got to be fresh. This year. Yeah. Of oh, this, correct. This year, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm shooting some in a couple of weeks. But Yay. That'll be probably towards the end of May. So you reckon you'll sneak in, in or not? Yeah, squeeze yeah. it in. Let me, yeah. I'll, I don't. I haven't actually. I've been thinking about um, asking someone to be a judge for a long time. I haven't had the courage to ask her yet. So um, you've got a bit of time until I, I get someone sorted out to help judge. Me. <laughs> it's one of awesome. my favorite films. So I the really hoard it, so cool. kind of, because you know it's a little it's amazing, pricey. Yeah. It is the closest kind of thing that we've readily readily available that we've got to you know those classic kind of color shifts like aerochrome. It's completely different to aerochrome, and yet some of the otherworldly kind of effects is very similar. So it's a beautiful film. Well, also, well, maybe this week I'll get out, and I've got like four or five rows of purple that's been in my freezer forever. So maybe uh, this will be what I need to get out this week and, and get uh, get that done. Because uh, four or five uh, rolls. Like, uh, <laughs> 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 Rose, Rose. I got Rose. Rose and Rose. He puts it on the end of ideal. I'll tell you what. L's are L's uh, just stand for loser, and they're unnecessary in the in the English (laughs) language. So, uh, but uh, but you put it at the end of other words that don't have L's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am bad about that one too. But um, hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you got to throw it in there just keep people guessing, you know, keep you on their toes. So I do uh, like that. <laughs> so, and uh, the last thing about my week is uh, before we re- recorded, I had mentioned that I am trying a new uh, 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 body wash because, uh, I mean, Jess Jones has, has, you know, really lambasted Irish Spring so much. I was like, maybe I should move on to a more, more sophisticated uh, shower gel. So I, uh, I found this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this old spice called uh, a Yeti Frost, and it's got menthol in it. So, and so I was like, I'll try it out tonight before the show, you know, and I got to say, I feel, I feel minty, I feel tingly. There's a little tingle to the dingle, so it, it did work, and uh, so I'm happy to say that might be graduating to some old spice, uh, but and which apparently still does not impress Jess, but uh, it's uh, it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> but the funny thing was, after I get out of the shower, before I come out here to the cave, there's a package from Amazon uh, that just arrived, and I was like, I didn't order anything from Amazon. I asked Manette, she hadn't ordered anything from Amazon, and so I opened up the box. And this comes from uh, <laughs> Alessandro Cranacchia, and uh, he sends me a note. He says, uh, sorry, but I couldn't resist sending you some Irish Spring bar soap and a paring knife. Is this icy blast variety the one that's so intense that it can replace a partner? <laughs> Asking for a friend, <laughs> Alessandro. And I, so here it is. It's a Irish Spring icy blast. And this is actually a bar soap. No, it's the shower gel. There's one particular one that has menthol in it. That's the one I'm talking about. I don't know if this has the tingle for your dingle, but it, it says icy blast. <laughs> 
We'll, we'll find out. But then I have the paring knife that he got me here, and I can do just like the old commercials and slice in to a, uh, a nice bar of Irish Spring, just like the commercials. And uh, you can see it's uh, – what's the, what's the thing? It's, it's, it's soap inside soap or whatever. I don't know. Like, There's more soap also... inside the soap. <laughs> so there we go. I can actually slice we're, little – We're, we're going to need a, a call-in soap review. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, and also, and he didn't just send me uh, Irish Spring soap and a knife to cut into it like the old, old 1970s commercials. If you're not familiar with those, just look up an Irish Spring vintage commercial and you'll see what we're talking about there. But he also sent me very nicely. Or a family of, guy. Yeah, yeah. A row of Kodak Ultramax 400. So thank you so much, Alessandro Cronacchia, uh, uh, for the uh, really pleasant surprise. And like the timing couldn't have been better. I literally was just trying out a new menthol soap and then get out of the shower and uh, and and then find this. So uh, I'm set up now. And my whole desk now smells like, since I, especially since I cut into this, the whole desk now smells like Irish Spring Icy Blast now. So it's, uh, it's very fresh in here. And uh, I think, uh, think it's probably... There's some ladies knocking on the door outside the garage now. I think. <laughs> I think those are your cats trying to get out. Actually, actually, it's my cat wanting in. Actually, it's actually what's happening. But, uh, all right. Well, that's pretty much what we've had, got going on, or what we've had going on. So uh, we're going to take us a little break here, and we're going to get into this roundtable discussion because uh, we got to talk about some things, man. We got to get out these hot topics of just burning everybody up and just uh, yeah, really t- kind of tearing up, tearing up, tearing the community apart with just wonder and 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 just uh, just got to we got to figure it out. We're going to help them out here, so that's what we do. But uh, we're going to take us a break, and uh, we'll be right back, folks. Folks, we are back from the break, and here it is, the episode 360 roundtable discussion where we talk about the hot topics. They're burning up the film community, and uh, let's meet this week's, or this episode's roundtable panel. I'm Mike Gutterman. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm drinking Miller Lite, a fine Pilsner beer. I'm Andre Dominguez in Los Angeles, California, and I'm drinking a Rolling Rock Extra Pale beer. I am Jess Jones. I am in Richmond, Virginia, and I'm drinking Evan Williams whiskey. Ooh, nice. I'm Matt Murray. I'm in Brisbane, Australia, and I'm drinking Lemon Cordial. (laughs) My name is Mike Caputo. I'm a Chicagoan living in Hawaii last 20 years. I'm drinking Boilermakers, shooting D76, and I got a Guinness fur back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you there you have it, folks. And then I'm uh, I'm huffing the fixer in between the breaks. (laughs) (laughs) You've met the the panelists of this roundtable episode, so I think uh, and uh, folks, if you have never listened to these before, uh, these are all uh, each topic is timed by the 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 gray lab timer, the darkroom timer. Uh, So we we somewhat you know you put a time limit on these topics, about six to seven minutes a topic generally, and uh, when it when a timer runs out, it's simple. It's uh, you get a uh, you get a little uh, little little of this, 
And uh, that's when the topic is supposed to be over with. Of course, we will try our best to buzz Andre, uh, as is a tradition in every one of these episodes. So uh, let's go ahead and get into the first topic. And we're going to start off in Hawaii uh, with, uh, or as my grandmother would say, Hawaii. And uh, and uh, so uh, with Mr. Mike Caputo. Of the Hawaii. (laughs) Right. Right. All right. My topic is selling a camera only to buy it again later, again and again and again, right? So, I I mean, I, I just recently bought a Pentax 67 again after I sold it a couple of years ago. And I don't know how many cameras I've done that with. Um, I could probably think of 10 off the top of my head. The Nikon F3, I think I sold that one three or four times only to buy it again three or four times. Uh, a couple point and shoots, same thing. Olympus XA, there we go. I've done that one uh, three or four times as well. The Konica Auto S3, I've sold that one three or four times only to buy it again three or four times. So anyway, that's my topic, to sell or not to sell. I'm never selling any of my cameras ever again. <laughs> Well, I, I will jump in and say that I, I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. I have done it several times. I'm probably on my third or fourth K1000 at this point. Um, because, you know, as the prices were going up on, I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, I can get rid of this one. I got other cameras that are better than this lowly K1000. And then I end up missing it, man, because it's always like, it's like the first camera that like uh, I really kind of like first serious camera I ever really used and uh, and or like a full manual camera I ever used. And like, it's always just feels like home to me, man. And like every time I don't have it in my collection, I'm missing it. And I bought this one right now. I have the I have the SE version. I'm not getting rid of it. Like I, I've learned my lesson on that. And there's a couple other Pentax bodies I've rebought, like an ME. I think I've had two or three times. I've had two ME Supers. And uh, the, 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 the one that I did sell the MX. I sold the MX to Mike Caputo, uh, not Mike Caputo, Mike Padua. I <laughs> get my mics confused. And I went to a good home, but there's part of me is like, man, I don't know. If I see another <laughs> MX, I'd probably buy it again. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm guilty of it, man. Like, uh, I'm trying to, I haven't bought any cameras in a long time, which I'm happy about myself uh, about that. But now my problem is I'm buying guitars and I, I can't tell you how many guitars I've sold and rebought. So it's, it's, it's been a, an addictive uh, cycle that I've never, never uh, defeated. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I'm always, That's you always, you know, you're all, you're, you're yeah, well, you're always chasing like the next. You're always chasing this next thing, and sometimes, uh, sometimes like you don't realize how, how the thing you have is is the thing you need. And uh, it's, it's so, uh... yeah. <laughs> so the Pentax 67, I love it. I just bought it again. I got the 105 2.4, I think, and then the 45 millimeter with it. And you know, I'm never gonna sell it again. It's right. I shipped it off for a CLA right now. I'm never selling that camera. Um, you know, my Nikon F3, I'm never going to sell it because I like it. And I've already done it and bought it again three times. And same thing with these little point and shoots. Just, I'm just keeping them. I don't care. Anyway, well, that's my well, thought. Thing is, well, the thing is, like, the 6.7 is, like, you sell it now. You can make some good money on it because they're worth a lot. I mean, they keep going up. But then if you if you go to rebuy it again a year later, you're going to be – the way they've been going up in price, you're going to be paying a lot more for it. Like, right? they're kind of investments at this point. I mean, I don't really want to sell any of them. But, you know, I, I don't, at the same time, like, if you have to go rebuy it later, you're going to pay a hell of a lot more for it the way film camera prices just keep escalating. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Do you think well, that bubble's going to crash camera. at some point? I don't think so. Don't they're not think. making them anymore. They're only going to go up, in my opinion. And there was another camera that I wanted to buy – 
that I sold was the Fuji GA645ZI. And I really liked that camera. And I, I sold it for maybe, I don't know, 400 bucks. And I, I was like, man, I really want that 645 again. So I went on eBay to buy it. And they're like, eight or $900 now. So I didn't buy it. And I wish I would have never sold it. So anyway, I guess if you got to to buy another, you know, you need something for something. But if you can afford to hold on, and if you want something else, I say keep them. I you hear you. Be, I hear you. be like Scrooge McDuck. And just love those things. <laughs> hoard it. Hoard hoard it. <laughs> Anybody else uh, have some thoughts besides Andre? I, I only ever sell cameras that I, I don't like. So I've never actually sold a camera and then bought the same one. What I do do, I do something different. So if I really like a camera, like I've got a little point and shoot here, the Olympus LT1. It's like a stylus or a Mew one. And I actually dropped this one and I've got to gaffer tape up the battery compartment. So if I really like a camera and it's not that expensive, I go and buy another one of it as a backup. So that's what I do. I buy a backup for a camera that I really like if it's not too expensive. Um, So that's the kind of habit I've got. Um, But no, I've I've never sold one and bought it again. Mm. You're blessed. You're blessed. (laughs) Jess, what do you got? I've never sold one and bought it again either. I've definitely had some doubles at one point i had three pentax six sevens just because the guy i bought one from sent me three over the course of some years but wow and i I sold one of them because i didn't need three but i i've sold some 35 millimeter cameras that i just know i'm never going to shoot but i have no desire to buy those again i think everything yeah i just sell the ones i don't really like and then all the other ones i've kept i did debate recently or over this past year, selling one of the other Pentax 6.7s, but, but I don't know. What's the point? I just have both of them. <laughs> don't do it. Don't just do keep it. them both. Because what <laughs> yeah. if I, I don't know, I'm pretty clumsy if I just like really <laughs> fuck one up and then really regret having sold off the second one. So I don't know. So, Mike, it sounds like you and I are the only people afflicted with this problem here on this panel. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know what it is, man. I, I, I would. <laughs> One at one time I got fifty cameras, and then a couple months later I only got five. And then you know I'm always one of those buying and selling on eBay's all the time. But uh, <laughs> there's a couple like I sell, and then I always just buy again. So I've learned my lesson. And right, Pentax right. 67 is one of those. The Konica Auto S3, the Nikon F3. You know, there's a few handful of cameras that I just really love. Because they got different applications, you use them for different things or whatever, and right. are comfortable. And so, anyway, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Andre, Andre, where are you at with this, brother? I think, like, I, I come to, to all of this from, I, I've not been into film photography for the longest amount of time. But, like, I worked at a camera store in college where we had literally everything so without having to spend a whole lot of money i got a chance to try out a lot of stuff and figure out what i liked and didn't like and i think that definitely helped me craft my (laughs) uh folks Um, what was i talking about oh oh uh like it, it it helped me like craft my understanding of what I like and don't like. And similar to, you know, Matt and and Jess, if I have a camera, even if it's not the thing that I'm using constantly, I won't really get rid of it unless it's something where I've really come to the conclusion that I don't really like or that 
there I'm there's too much of my money invested in a, a thing that I don't like enough to justify or that something could do a better job. Case in point, something like the Hasselblad, for example, that I had in college. It's not that I don't like that camera, but having owned one, having used one multiple times, borrowed them multiple times, where I'm at right now in my photographic journey, the RB67 does everything that the Hasselblad can and more and does it and, and does it in a way that fits my needs better. So for me, it's it's been more of a, a case of like an evolution of my tastes and don't really particularly ever turn back. I don't regret selling my Hasselblad and moving to a Rolleiflex and then picking up an RB down the line. I don't regret selling my Leica M6 or my M3 and uh, going over to an M2. And that streak has has stayed the same now for going on six, seven years. So hopefully it continues the same. I really don't want to have to rebuy anything because the, the the way that prices are increasing for a lot of the stuff that I'm interested in, that would be very painful. But for That's me... That's good. That's I good. Lucky. Excellent. Because never, never, you got never. a good approach to cameras. You know, I'm laid back in life, but when it comes to cameras... I'm all like, I just can't let this go. I got to have them all. <laughs> Why did I do that? Yeah. I love this thing. I want it. <laughs> it's an obsession. Not that I need it. Not that, you know, you, uh, I'm going to use it every day or even close to every day. I think, I think I'm, also, I'm also spoiled in the fact that, like, here in L.A., the film photography community is such that, like, if there's anything that I really want to try, someone's probably got it, and I can I can ask to... You know, for us to meet up for like a photo walk and, and borrow something That's or cool. my yeah. buddy Adamaki runs a film objective and I've, I've never personally rented something from him. But like if I wanted to try something out, I could rent it for two weeks or, or rent it from Sammy's and and see if I if I like something or if it's something where like I do like it, but not enough to own it, especially when it comes and this is a little prelude to to Matt's topic. But when it comes to something you know, a little bit more electronic. In in a case like that, I don't want to dump thousands of dollars into something that could that could die in two years, and I, I'd be stuck with figuring out how the hell to service this thing if it could even be serviced. Whereas if I rent it, like obviously, if you if you break it, that's a pretty big issue. But if it just stops working on you, you know, it's not your fault. Well, that leads us to a, a brilliant segue there, Andre. And uh, that's how we do it in the business. Uh, very professional. Uh, <laughs> kind of pitching it to, uh, to uh, uh, Mr. Matt Murray. Uh, all right. Uh, excellent, excellent topic there, Mike. Let's move on to, uh, to Matt's uh, hot burning issue. And, uh, oh, man, Andre's just going to, he's going to, it's like steam's going to start coming out of his ears. And uh, it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be fantastic. But uh, uh, so, Matt, Mr. Matt Murray, what is uh, your hot topic to discuss tonight on the roundtable? My hot topic is electronic cameras. And, uh, of course, you know, from the 80s probably onwards, a lot of, you know, uh, cameras have electronics in them of some type, you know, from SLRs to point and shoots to rangefinders to all sorts of cameras. I have in my hands two of my favorite cameras, uh, Fujifilm Class S and Fujifilm Natura, and they are electronic cameras. And quite often I will see in Facebook groups or on Clubhouse, I will hear some grumpy people saying the same thing over and over again. 
which is, oh, I'm not going to invest in an electronic camera. I'm not going to invest in a point and shoot because if it breaks, it's going to fail. And, and to be fair, they are right in a way because there are some brands of point and shoot like the Contax T2, like the Big Mini, like the Mewtwo. They have a bit of a reputation for failing, um, but it doesn't put me off. I just kind of think, you know, it's one of those things in life. You know, I mean, we might, the Earth might get hit by an asteroid. We might all die in the next six months. So, like, what the hell? <laughs> Buy your electronic camera, shoot that film, and, and that's my stance on it. I, I, I agree. My, some of my favorite cameras. I'm going to come to your your side on this, Matt, and make sure you're not um, in the dark here. Because, uh, actually, two of my favorite cameras that I've been using actually three in the last year or so is uh, my Leica R8 Leica and uh, my uh, uh, my Pentax PZ1P which is a 90s plastic fantastic SLR like one eight thousandth of a second shutter speed you're not getting that with a mechanical camera and uh, and it's been like it's from the 90s from the early 90s and this thing functions flawlessly and you know what if it breaks um I don't know probably get another one for 100 bucks you know not that big of a deal and then uh my my the camera I kind of want to concentrate on this year, if I ever start shooting some damn photography, is my Pentax 645N. There's no question about it. That's an electronic camera uh, through and through, and and it's it's a blast to use. And there's no way a mechanical camera could do that format and that size body as well as that camera does. Like it's it's a it's like I think it's the perfect uh, 645 uh, uh, format camera. And uh, those I are the, love like, that camera. Yes, Me and too. it's just you know. And it's so it's so intuitive and and the, the way that it's just it's perfect. It's like the perfect. I would tell anybody like if you're looking at a medium format camera and you're particularly interested in the six four five format, that's that's man, it's hard to go wrong with that one. It's so just uh, it, it just feels so good in the hand and it's so intuitive the way it works. And uh, uh, but yeah, and those. I don't know, man. Like other mechanical cameras, about the only one I'm shooting right now that's actually purely mechanical is my K1000 or my or my Hoga. <laughs> so like it's about the only mechanical cameras I use anymore. So I'm with you on that, Matt. So uh, all right, I'll let somebody else speak. Don't let Andre go on. Hundred percent, Matt. <laughs> Yolo, baby. Like, I've got. Uh, let's see. In my hands right here, two Nikon LAF 35s, as you nice. can see, and. These things, I don't know how many I've broken. I don't care. I'll keep buying them and buying them and buying them because I like it. I just love this lens. This Nikon LAF35 is like my favorite pointy. If it's not that, it's my Olympus XA. And fortunately, they're reasonable right now. You can find them for like 100 bucks or so, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, those Olympus, Maji 2 or whatever, and the Yashikas. I've had them all. And you know what? When I bought those, I bought... My Yashica T4 at a you know, at the dump, like a dollar or two dollars or whatever. I sold it for four hundred on eBay, wow. and then I bought two LAF 35s and, and an XA just for my backups. But you know, <laughs> what what are we doing here? We're taking pictures because we like to take pictures, and if uh, if it's not that big of an investment and you can afford it, then why not? You know, so hell yeah, buy the electronic cameras, in my opinion, you know. Hell yeah, hell yeah. That's where I am. <laughs> Jess, what do you got? I think my only thing with electronic cameras, and I've got cameras that require batteries, and that's about as far as it goes, outside of the Pentax 645N, which I love that camera so much. I think my only thing is cold weather. I, my cameras have a hard time in cold weather, but outside of that, I don't care. Just shoot whatever you like. 
I mean, I understand if that camera costs three thousand dollars and it's prone to breakage and it's old, then maybe you don't want to invest that. But yeah. I'm definitely not a purist when it comes to electronic cameras. Whatsoever. I think you're right there because there's a limit, right? Like most yeah. people can't afford to drop. You know, oh, I want this Contax 2, so I'm just going to buy it because I want yeah. it. Like, I can't buy a few Contax 2s like I'd buy these Nikons or the XA or whatever because I like them. I can't buy three of them, right? Because yeah. just, like just have both. ridiculous. Have an electronic <laughs> camera and have a non-electronic <laughs> camera. Just have all mechanical as a backup. Whatever. Well, sure. I, whatever I, I, makes I will, you happy. I will say that kind of ties in Matt's uh, topic and and Mike's topic is I had a Pentax LX, which was it's for Pentax fans. It's probably the pinnacle of like uh, 35 millimeter SLRs for for Pentax. Like it was their it was their, their pro camera, you know. And I had it, and like I kept reading these horror stories about how the electronics go bad. There's no parts for them, and uh, they're very expensive to even CLA because there's all these seals in it because it was like a it was actually a weather resistant camera and uh, for an SLR or whatever. And so I sold it. I was like, mine's working. I get good money for it. I'm just going to sell it before something breaks. You know what? I should have just used the damn thing to a broke, you know, and just enjoyed it until it broke and then decide what to do. I just, I sold it out of fear and I might've used that camera for another 20 years before it broke. And, uh, uh, so now that's, that's one that if I ran into again, I'd probably Yeah, that's again. true. If it's going <laughs> to die, let it die with you. Right. Right. Yeah. Let me, let me put it to a proper burial. Right. So, you know, but, uh, but <laughs> all right, Andre, what do you got brother? So, I'm going to give a disclaimer that, you know, what I'm saying here is, is, is just my opinion. It's not prescriptive to, uh, to other folks out there. But when it comes to me, like, I, I go back and forth a lot as to whether or not I want kids one day. And the reason that I – the one of the reasons why I shoot film is not to, like, pass down cameras to kids one day. And that's not why. I like mechanical cameras, but I want to be able to shoot the cameras that I have for the next 50 to 100 years. And even though there are advancements being made in terms of like custom PCBs and things like that, and I do think that we will get to a point where like the barriers to entry of, you know, custom electronics will will be... That's twice for you, brother. <laughs> I, I think that we're definitely going to get to a point where, like, the cost of custom electronics and, and people making common replacement parts for electronic cameras will be more accessible. And these cameras that right now are pretty much unreplaceable will be a little bit more replaceable at a pretty big expense in the future. When I look at things that, like, Graham Burnett, of Graflex parts on Instagram is doing with his business of just machining a screw, a, a, a cam out of metal. I have so much more confidence in that kind of stuff and in the little conveniences that come from uh, point shoots, for example, you know, autofocus, um, electronic metering. Those can absolutely be things that bring a lot of convenience and, and ease to our lives. But what I want to do with the direction that my photography, I, I want it to go in, I want to develop the skill of, you know, of metering by eye, of, you know, zone focusing and guessing distances correctly, of, you know, all manual uh, flash 
because I want to be able to use the mechanical cameras that I have, which can inherently be worked on and parts machined for them. Not that that stuff is like is is cheap either. If you needed a specific part that there's not a whole lot of replacement parts for and you needed somebody to custom machine it, that's not going to be cheap. I'm not saying that like mechanical cameras in the long run are going to be insanely cheaper to repair than electronic cameras, but it will be possible and 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 it'll be probably easier to do than the electronic cameras. So what I'm trying to do right now in terms of the cameras that I'm selecting, I'm trying to select mechanical cameras that I know that have lasted 50 to 100 years and can last another 50 to 100 years because I don't plan on stopping shooting film anytime soon. And ones that will Andre, force me. Andre, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to live another 50 to 100 years, so I'm not worried about that. So. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, hopefully I can last another 50 years, (laughs) Um, but that cameras whose mechanical nature will allow me to not have to worry about things like weather, uh, cameras whose mechanical features will force me to learn the transferable skills that will apply to anything that I shoot, even if I am shooting an electronic point-and-shoot style camera. Like, I love my Olympus X8. It's the camera that got me through my recovery from heart surgery. I love my F100. But there are skills that I have developed from shooting fully mechanical cameras that make me better at shooting those electronic cameras. And I'm forced to learn those because my mechanical cameras don't give me those creature comforts and those conveniences of metering and, and autofocus and things like that. So that's the direction that I'm going in. It's not something that I try to force on other people, but it is a perspective that I like to try to remind people because I think that when it comes to content that's put out for the film photography community, especially in terms of YouTube channels, I think are the biggest culprit of this rather than some of the podcasts. I think that there's so much emphasis on, you know, making things easy and while ease and convenience can help more people get into it that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be in it for the long <laughs> it's awesome oh. people are into film photography right now it's awesome if a lot of young people are shooting point and shoots but the minute their camera breaks and it can't get repaired and they go to try to rebuy connecting it to, to Mike's topic they go to try to rebuy that Olympus Mu2 or Nikon L35AF or Context T2 and the price is double tripled guess what that person's not going to shoot film anymore because they what, what if though here, here's a here's a scenario what if we're in the last hurrah of film right now what if in 15 years time there is no film because unexpected events occur the raw materials aren't available it would cost a hundred dollars for a roll of film so what if this is the last heyday of film now in in 15 20 years time i know it's a radical scenario but all of those cameras would in theory be useless right no good point uh, you're i mean that is a very good point matt but here's also why i'm so thankful that i got into large format because worst case scenario right if all the film manufacturers go go bust you know if if finding high quality you know acetate becomes incredibly difficult because they're being used in solar panels or stuff like that um if the price of silver 
you know, skyrockets, guess what? There's still people that are going to be mixing up, you know, simple silver nitrate based emulsions and coating them on glass, coating them on paper and loading them into simple cameras that hold a piece of light sensitive material in front of a lens that has a mechanical shutter. Film photography will never die because we have the ability to allow light to hit a photosensitive medium and develop it with chemistry that's readily accessible. But guess what? Point and shoots won't survive forever. Uh, film coated on acetate, mass market and mass industrially manufactured may not necessarily survive forever. And that's going to suck if that ever happens. Hopefully, like, knock on wood, that doesn't happen for a long ass time, if ever. <laughs> You've been I think a, that's the third on, right? If it does, wow. mechanical large format cameras still exist. <laughs> you know, homemade uh, wet plates, dry plates, homemade emulsions will always be an option. Well, Paper negative. Like digital. It's, it's, digital. It's only like the dude said, you know. <laughs> digital. I still jerk off manually. So. <laughs> <laughs> kind of agree with you there, yeah. too. That that's my can't argue with, uh, the big two times on. buzz, uh, you know, rant on on why mechanical cameras right. are important. Can we got for a fourth. We got three buzzes. Yeah, yeah, we got three on that one. Uh, it was so long you couldn't tell. even remember. No, we I can we can obviously tell that Andre is drinking tonight. Uh, which you know you can always tell on the episodes he drinks because the 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 monologues go longer and longer. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> I can't even feel so, my back right now, and that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely more chipper now than you were at the beginning of the show. I got to say, but uh, uh, all right, let's get to our <laughs> our last topic. I want to go with uh, with uh, with Jess. Uh, she has a, another uh, topic, hot topic. It's just burning up the film community. So, uh, what, what do you got, Jess? So, my topic is: there's been some discussion about film stocks and what they are cut from. I.e., someone said to me, "I wouldn't shoot that Lamography because it's just." cut from Ultramax or that film's just probably cut from gold so why would you spend that money on it and there's been a couple of YouTube videos lately trying to compare and contrast some name brand films next to some newer brand films and does it matter to you does it matter what it's being rebranded as to me it it doesn't I don't care if this was once something else or if this looks exactly the same as that. I still want to support that brand because they're probably making other films. I don't care if something else might have been cheaper at one point and it costs this much now. Um, but some people seem to care, and I was just curious what you guys thought about it. What I what I value, uh, no, and so basically, basically what, what we're talking about, it's, 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 I, I shot like I have shot some Lomography films, and uh, uh, and I've had good results. I don't know if they're Kodak stocks. I don't know, and um, but the the thing I I don't care if there's like uh, this company starts up and all they're doing is rebranding film and putting it out there. And, hey, that's more film out there that other people may be able to have access to that maybe they don't have access to uh, these these films any other way. And hey, if if Lomography is getting their color film from Kodak, that's more money to keep that 
Kodak factory in Rochester uh, churning. So I, I don't see how there's anything bad about that. Now, on the flip side of it, I want to play devil's advocate. I do kind of wish that from a standpoint of developing or like the kind or like trying to figure out what to expect when you shoot these films, I do kind of wish they'd be a little more transparent about what the film stock actually is. I think it would be, it's just valuable information to know as a photographer, particularly like I'd be leery to like shoot a Lomo film for something important because I don't know like what that particular run might actually end up being or what, what the look might be like, because they're, they're not very transparent about what the actual film stock is. And I kind of wish they were, but cause like, so if I'm going to shoot something really important, uh, like maybe a family um, portraits on the beach or something like that, I'm going to use a film stock that I know for sure, sh- for sure what I'm getting, but, uh, but I'm all for it. Uh, as far as more, more film out there, I don't care if it's the same manufacturers making it, anything to keep those factories turning is a good thing. So, uh, that's kind of where I, where I'm at it on. So, uh, anyone else besides Andre? Yeah. <laughs> so I apply this to basically everything because right. I run a dark room, a small dark room, but I've got a dark. Room, so, um, film, I don't care. Right. If it's Kodak, I mostly shoot Kodak or Ilford stuff, but I don't, you know, if it's Kent Mirror, I don't care what it's repackaged. It doesn't matter to me, right? Um, chemicals, whatever works best for me. Paper, uh, you know, name branded stuff, or, you know, if they're just repackaging it and selling it for a lesser price under a different name, I mean, God bless them. Uh, like you said, Mike, whatever keeps the business going, in my opinion, um, you know, for the most part, like you take somebody and say, hey, what film was this shot on? What black and white film was this shot on? Nobody's going to be able to tell you unless you tell them, you know, yeah, it's got a hashtag on it. You can put the hashtag for something else and everybody will be like, oh, yeah, for sure. It's that right when it's not. So Shout out to the people tagging 800T on black and white images. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, but even for somebody who shoots a lot of film, like I would be hard pressed to be able to tell the difference between Tri-X and HP5 or Kentmere. You know, maybe maybe a certain speed because you could see more grain, but maybe I just not good at that. But I wouldn't know, you know, unless you're telling me. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's HP5. Cool. Oh, that's Tri-X. Okay, if you say so. You know, so yeah, whatever, right. man. Whatever keeps keeps these people in business, I'm fine with that. I'm even fine with paying more money. I don't care. I hear you. I hear you. I think we all kind of feel that. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what else? What else we got? Uh, Matt, uh, Jess. Yeah. What's, well, that was Jess's topics, but Matt, what do you got? Well, in some cases, these other brands are putting out films that you can't buy from the original manufacturer. So let's assume that uh, Lomography is, you know, 100, 200, 400 are Kodak stock. You can't buy Kodak 800 film uh, off the shelf. The only way you can get it is in the disposables. So if that truly is Kodak 800 film, that's the only way you can actually get it, um, you know, currently uh, as a consumer, which is fantastic. And I love that film. Lomo 800 is a great film. Unfortunately, it's recently, it's almost doubled in price recently. What the hell is going on? Yeah. But I I stocked up a little bit. Um, And I think other people like, you know, Cosmo Photo, um, I think they they rebrand. What film is it? Fomapan they rebrand? Fomapan, yeah. But Mm -hmm. they they do some, I really love um, the packaging. And as someone who works in communications and marketing, I love the fact that it's got this cool astronaut or cosmonaut on the packaging. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so amazing. 
So I don't mind that. The only thing I don't like, and this rubs people up the wrong way, but when some, and I, I've got a couple of brands in mind I'm not going to mention, but um, there's, I think there was one company here in Australia, they were buying expired film, putting their own brand on it, and perhaps it was double the price or, or significantly more than you could buy the stock for. So, you know, is that people thinking it was a new it's film? Expired? Is expired? Well, it was, it was expired or it was older film or... I don't is know. That um, the package? Does it say that? That it's people, expired? I'm not sure they even sell it anymore, but there was one company that was selling, they were putting labels on top of old film. Uh, maybe, I think they were in Australia, maybe they weren't. But um, yeah, people were peeling the film wrappers off and saying, oh, this is just, you know, Agva Vista or this is just Fuji 200. <laughs> and we paid $4 more a roll. About Matt, well, I ain't afraid to say, Matt, that that's yeah. a dick move. <laughs> That's what a lot of other people said as well. I'll, I'll come to their defense a little bit in that I don't think that it was expired film, but I, I know who you're talking about. And okay. Yeah, the, the lack of transparency is something that, that does bother me a little bit. It bothers me a little bit less when it comes to color for some of the reasons that you mentioned, Matt. Like, I know that in Australia, like, you uh, you know, or just in general, you can't get Lomo 800 in 36 exposure rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Andre, outside of a disposable. So <laughs> the issue that I take with the non-disclosure and lack of transparency comes in a few different flavors. One is with regards to project-based work. Like I remember being in college and shooting Lamography, Lady Grey, and noticing immediately that the emulsion had changed. Not only because the country of origin on the on the POs that we were placing at the camera store where I worked had changed from, you know, United Kingdom to China uh, or United Kingdom to Czech Republic. Like, there's no getting around that. Uh, and that my results started looking differently. So I, I, I came to the conclusion that like, oh, well, I, I can't rely on this film for a project that I'm doing long term because I don't know what the hell the film is and i take more of an issue when it comes to black and white films than color because your development is not standardized when it comes to black and white so if you don't tell me what the emulsion is if i have no confidence that it's something that's being actively coded and i know exactly who's making it and i know that the formula is not changing guess what doesn't mean that i'm not ever going to shoot it but i'm not going to do project-based work on it like, so I'm not I think you would prefer if the brands, or well, two things, if they were more transparent about where it came from, and also if that changes in the middle of what they were already doing, say Lady Grey changed, yeah. if right. they put it out there, do you think that transparency on both of those things would be more well-received, or do you think people, at least on the first side of it, um, being transparent about what stock they were pulling from. Do you think it would push people away from buying that film? I, I think that it depends on who you're talking about, right? Because there are people who just want to shoot a black and white film. I'm one of those people who really struggles to differentiate between one black and white film and another because there's so many variables. Hell, there's so many variables when it comes to color. Color negative, like, yeah, there are different, like, kind of, 
families of film that you can clearly look and be like, yeah, that's probably Ektar, given how much saturation is built in there. But anytime that you're scanning color negative, it's just an interpretation. You can fuck around with that scan as much as you want. You can make Portra look like Ektar. You can make 800T look like, you know, 400H. Uh, but my my issue with that is that there's going to be people that that doesn't matter for because they're just shooting casually every once in a while. But if you're doing a project, you need consistency. So it's not going to bother everybody, but it sure is. <laughs> One of the things that I really respect. Andre, this is going to be like a three-hour episode, man. So let's. Uh... <laughs> okay, up real quick. All right. One of the things right. that I really respect Stephen Dowling for is that he focuses, I think, on the right thing. He focuses on the marketing, bringing this film to different markets that may, like, your local photography store may not have an account with FOMA, this, you know, medium-sized uh, Czech Republic-based film company. There potentially would be no reason for this small photography store to carry this Czech black-and-white film. But because of the marketing, they may well end up, you know, stocking some Cosmo Photo. I'm all for that, and I support the fact that he says this is what the film is, so that when you're going on massive dev and you're using XYZ uh, chemistry, you're pulling from a much larger base of knowledge looking up Fomapan 100 than you are with Cosmo Photo 100, if you were just trying to look that up. The same thing goes for Cinestill and uh, the Double X, or our BWXX. We clearly state what it is because there's decades of people submitting user uh, you know, times for Double X with dozens of different developers. That's all I'll say. Okay, I was going to buzz you again. You dropped the but, mic. Uh, I will say this, uh, and you you hit on this just to kind of wrap this up, uh, Matt. You brought oh, up a good we, point. We got some Jameson coming in here. I oh, look out! This is I'm out serious the, now. They're becoming you know what? I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll join you with some uh, some uh, ah. some bourbon myself. Some little uh, little maker's <laughs> mark here. How did he uh, go from Guinness to Jameson? I'm ah. I certainly did. I joined you <laughs> with some uh, Kentucky bourbon, but uh, that's Delicious. not my favorite Kentucky bourbon, but it'll work. Yeah, it's an Irish kind of night. I got Jameson and Guinness right now. So. <laughs> Weren't we well, supposed to do Irish car bombs at some point? Oh, we really should. Just getting warmed up on this podcast. Let's go. <laughs> Starting now or what? Andre gets yeah. car bombs? <laughs> yeah, uh, if I, Andre gets any drunker, this this podcast would be four hours long. So, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, I will say to finish what that uh, you brought up a good thing, uh, Matt. You're talking about like, uh, you know, people. Uh, smart, well, I don't know who brought it up, but basically, like uh, the whole Cosmo photo thing. You know, they were very upfront that it's FOMA, but like, uh, I remember we had as a guest on uh, quite a while ago, uh, Anthony Rue, and he has the coffee house. Uh, I think it's in Florida, maybe it's like called Volta, and like he wanted to sell some film in his coffee house, and he's not going to have the quantity. 
uh, to like Kodak won't talk to him. Ilford, he couldn't get anybody to like sell him some film that he could sell us. But, but Cosmo, uh, you know, he, so he's able to stock Cosmo photo, even like Fomapan wouldn't sell him that film to put in the coffee shop, but Cosmo was able to like, you know, sell him some film to sell in his coffee shop. So I think there is like, there's, there's a situation where a rebranding kind of can help the, the smaller people, uh, you know, smaller stores or whatever, carry some film. So, uh, that, that was a good, uh, good little, um, I'm uh, good rule. Develop. Kind of buzz right now, but what was it? Does it matter? <laughs> was that the original question? Does it matter? What yeah, was your question? Yeah. Just yeah. Does it matter? Does it matter? Does no. it matter? Does any of it matter? It does. <laughs> it, it's not to say that one's bad and one's not good, but it, it it does matter. The decisions that these companies make do matter. Stephen Dowling has done a, an amazing thing with. Cosmo Photo, because we live in an era of the film photography industry where, you know, the distribution networks are such that, like you said, Anthony can't can't open an account with FOMA. You know, I they would say have- the only time it matters is as long as you're being straightforward about what you're doing. That's it. Yeah, I think if you're that's rebranding only, that's a the film, only point on it that matters. That's yeah. it. Yeah. If you're rebranding a film that's readily available and you're doubling the price because of the packaging, and I'm not talking about Cosmo Photo there, I'm talking about other people around the world who, who, who possibly have done that. I think, and you're not telling people what it is and they're peeling the labels off and they can see it C200 or whatever. I think that is potentially not quite right. But if you're doing so, I, I, I quite like the idea of Cosmo Photo and, and you know, I, I want to buy some just for the, 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 uh, the packaging. I think it's pretty damn cool. It is cool. That Spaceman's is. awesome. The Cosmonaut that's, is fantastic. I'd buy it right. just for the Cosmonaut. That's I don't right. Care if he, <laughs> I, even the, if he the, wasn't the, straightforward, the, which he is. The one, <laughs> the one roll that I had of it, I, I couldn't, I couldn't throw the box away after I was done. Like mm. I think it's, uh, I think it's hanging up in my garage here somewhere. But, uh, all right, well that's the first three hot topics, and we need to get to a break. And uh, uh, we got two more hot topics coming up uh, in the third segment. So uh, uh, I really have to pee. So that's why I'm uh, was trying to buzz Andre as much as I could to get him to stop, stop talking. <laughs> <about>. <laughs> well, I just went. Both, I hope it didn't uh, record my flush. <laughs> oh, we, it was loud and clear. We full out had get <laughs> peeing on air. You're you're fine. Yeah, yeah, we've had peas on air. So, uh, but uh, all right, folks, we're gonna take us a break, and we'll be back for one more segment with uh, two more hot topics. So, uh, uh, we'll be right back, folks. <laughs> Folks, we are back for the final segment, and we got two more hot topics to get to. Uh, but before we get to hot topics, Mr. Matt Murray has uh, it is like uh, well, actually, right now in America and already for Matt Murray, it is May uh, the fourth. May the fourth be with you. Uh, a little Star Wars holiday. So I'm a big Star Wars fan. So I want to hear what what Matt Matt Murray has to go on here. Uh, apparently, he's got uh, some Star Wars analogy to, to give us. And I think I think I think for May the fourth, May the fourth be with you. I think we should we should hear what what Matt's got going on before we get into these hot topics. What do you got, man? Yeah, happy Star Wars Day, everyone. May the 4th be with you. 
And I was thinking about the the people, the guests on the podcast tonight and the hosts, and I was thinking which character in the Star Wars universe they sort of correspond to. So the first person I was thinking of was was um, Han Solo. Han Solo is handsome, he's funny, but he's always doing something dodgy. And that has to correspond to Mike Gutterman uh, because he's always <laughs> shooting that dodgy APS film. You know, always a bit, a bit strange about that, but but he definitely is a very good match for Han Solo. And the next person is uh, C-3PO. Uh, C-3PO is a little bit nerdy, but in a good way. Um, speaks many languages. <laughs> and throughout the Star Wars movies, you always see C-3PO blown to bits and then repaired, put back together. And I was thinking, who can speak multiple languages and loves things that can be repaired? And of course, it is Andre Dominguez is our C-3PO. <laughs> who is riddled with anxiety. <laughs> the next one is um, it kind of hard, the next one, but I thought this next person's a bit like R2-D2 in that they're very clever. Um, they're they're kind of lovable, but at the same time, you do not want to mess with this person. I reckon this R2-D2 has a savage side if you get in the way of them. And they're also a, a very accomplished pilot. R2-D2 has been seen in a plane many times, and so is this person. And, of course, I'm talking about Jess. So she's R2-D2. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Well, that's good. That's good. And the next person, uh, I think you know who this is. Um, so this, I was thinking about um, the Star Wars universe. And the only thing I knew about Mike was that he's tall and he sings sea shanties. And there's only one character in Star Wars that is very tall and makes strange noises. And that's Chewbacca. So he is Chewbacca. <laughs> and uh, last of all is my, my character. Young. And I... <laughs> I am the Mandalorian because I love to travel. I have a strange accent, and you really don't want to see my face. So that's that's all I picked pick this all out as. Oh no, my young Jedi! You will find that it is you who are mistaken about the great many things. <laughs> oh Matt, uh, thank you so much for that. I, I'm glad I got Han Solo. Great, He's always Matt. my favorite character. That's great. So, I really want to be Palpatine, man. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, you're 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 much more handsome than Palpatine. You want this, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh man, I could dig so we gotta... I could dig the Wookie. That's cool. <laughs> I think we've got our Star Wars nerdiness out for this, uh, and I thank you, Matt, for that. It was very enjoyable, and uh, nice. I'll take I'll take I'll take Han Solo. I, I, I don't necessarily hey, like hey, 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 hey! Before we move on, hey, how did Darth Vader know what Luke got him for his birthday? He felt his presence. <laughs> there, there has been a conspicuous lack of dad jokes on this episode. <laughs> I, I got one for you. Uh, uh, a buddy of mine bought a boat the other day. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't resist. They had a cell on it. Hey, Mike. Oh, a cell. See, I thought you, you know said what? a cell. cell. You know what yeah, kinda, that's what I thought, cell. Yeah, you know that's what what I thought. People, um, You know what kind of people never get angry? Yeah. No meds. What was it? <laughs> no mess. No, no, no mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay, we gotta move on. All right, so let's get to uh, the last the last couple of topics. And uh all right, um 
let's see here. Uh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Mike Caputo is the dad joke. The dad joke uh, legend with his. Uh, he used to have a, a video that went viral about dad jokes. So uh, we we opened up a can of worms here. So, uh, but all right. Uh, so I'm going to start with uh, my topic. Um, and I'm going to give Bill Manning credit from the Studio C41 uh, podcast, one-hour photo podcast. Uh, they were talking about this on this episode, and I hit up Bill. I was like, man, that's a great topic, and I don't know if we've ever really discussed it on the show. And I asked him, I was like, Bill, can I can I steal that one for a roundtable? He's like, sure. So he got permission. So this is this is all good. Uh, but on their, on their episode, they were talking about how – uh, creativity. Can it be learned? Is it something, uh, that you're just kind of innately born with or, uh, you know, can someone like just become creative if they, or whatever. And the reason it kind of, uh, hit me, cause I'm, me and my, me and my father used to go out, I'll probably, when I first got back into photography, we'd go on these little trips around Kentucky and shoot because my dad was always kind of a shutterbug. And, um, and he, I remember when we would get to see our photos after we were done, we were both shooting digital at the time. So you could see our photos immediately. And, uh, he was like, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I have the creative eye. Like I, I never felt like I did. Like he just never felt like he was creative. And like, it wasn't that his photos were bad, um, or anything like that. I mean, you know, who's to judge anybody's photos, but, uh, but he definitely, I don't, he's, I think he struggled. He sort of felt like he didn't have the eye for it or, or the, this creativity or whatever. It just felt like he wasn't a creative person. But my dad is creative in many other ways. He can fix anything. Like the guy can tear anything apart and put it back together. And to me, that's a creative art in itself. But because uh, me, I tend to just break everything I try to fix. But uh, this guy can fix anything. But uh, but creativity is something he always never really felt like he had. And maybe he did. I don't know. But do you think everyone is creative? Or do you think some people just are born with it or can it be learned? So uh, that's just uh, that's kind of my uh, my little topic. So uh, any thoughts on that? I think that. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that everyone's creative, but they learn to express it in different ways. So I think that the part that's taught is how to express it. You know what I mean? Like the people that I meet that are creative in different ways or think that they're not creative, just don't know how to express it yet. And if you teach them a certain method or show them that they can do this or that, and then they can be creative within those reins, I guess. But I, I really think that everyone is just really creative in their own way. They just don't know how to get it out. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, I'm just laughing because some 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 reason I got gigantic on the screen all of a sudden. <laughs> you <laughs> did. <laughs> so, all right. uh, I, I, uh, yeah, like, makes sense. Casey, uh, and uh, and so Matt, what do you think about it? Uh, um, I think I think it's like a lot of things. It's it's I think some people have an innate ability to be creative, where other people maybe need to learn that and need to be led down that path. Um, and that goes for a lot of things in life. For, for example, timekeeping. I'm terrible. I'm so late for everything all the time. But I've learned for, for work and for airlines, I, I need to be on time. And it's like creativity. Some people have a natural ability to do things and some people have to learn it. Um, so I think it is something you can learn. And, and you're talking about your dad going around taking photos, what I was thinking when you were saying that, like I wondered if we had a, a, you know, a twin of Earth somewhere, exactly the same as Earth now, but they'd never had anyone who drew or painted or took photos and you gave people cameras there, what would the photos be like? Because not having any um, kind of, not having any inspiration from other photographers or artists, the, the, 
the photos would probably be pretty crappy, right? I don't know. I, I, I reckon they would. I, don't, I reckon on this alternate Earth, people would just have a camera and they wouldn't really have all the nice arty shots that we do. I guess because we are, you know, through experience, we accumulate, you know, art and things and ideas in our mind and we get better and stuff like that. Um, so I think it is something whether we, uh, it's probably something we're learning whether we realize it or, or not. I think what, what I have to, my input on this is that, um, <clears throat> your creative ability starts to expand once you understand the technical aspects of the medium that you're using right i've, I've noticed for me for personally anyway is that as i understand more the technical aspects of whatever film type i'm trying to shoot whatever i'm trying to achieve that uh i get more creative you know it it, it expands i'm able to um put down onto that negative or onto that print the what I visualized in the beginning. Whereas if you just gave somebody a camera and said, okay, here, shoot this, they might not be able to uh, materialize what they envision in their mind. So I think it's both. I think, you know, you kind of have some kind of, everybody's got a little creativity to them. And then depending on how you apply yourself to the medium that you're using is how you grow in it. So, yeah, for sure. That makes sense. I, I know that like when I first got into photography uh, in the early 2000s, late 90s, somewhere around there, I'd never like I don't think I didn't have the eye. I, I don't it's debatable whether I have the eye now, but uh, I, but I definitely developed an eye over the time. So I think it, I definitely did learn creativity and photography just by doing it and learning the, you know, like Mike was saying, the the, the actual skills that the, the, the kind of that you need to like. Uh, to take the photo you kind of want you the kind of photo you want to take but i don't know that i had the eye when i first started photography i don't anybody does i think you do develop an eye so that tells me that it can be something that's learned uh and i don't i think my dad was being a little too hard on himself he he did he's always taken some pretty decent photos but he never felt like a creative person and that's probably because he was always like a, a real working man kind of guy and like oh i just artsy fartsy stuff maybe he didn't <laughs> didn't necessarily identify with <laughs> art art you know but uh but he uh, he probably had and more of an eye than he thought he did, but uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, it's, it's it's a weird thing, but I do think if I think about it, my my photography like when I started out, I got a hundreds and thousands of uh, horrible photos. So I, I don't know that I'm any better, but I'm at least slightly better. That had to be learned. So I guess creativity, <laughs> creativity has to, can be learned in some some standpoint. So yeah, uh, but uh, all right, Mike, Andre, what do you, your photos yeah, for the zine were awesome. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All of those nudes. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with the nudes. I like. I like to say it like that too. It just sounds. Yeah, I think it adds a little nudes. I think it, you haven't said uh, flesh tones this episode, have you? <laughs> I was, oh, that's true. I mean, oh nudes is very God. important. How how were the flesh tones on the nudes? It's very important to know those flesh tones. <laughs> and, uh, so. Uh, well, when they're black and white, there's not so many flesh tones, but it's that color work that really gets you. Uh, Andre, what you got, brother? No, I, I think that, you know, creativity can definitely be be taught. I never came from an artistic background. I took art classes in like elementary and middle school, but by the time I was in high school and, and choosing what my electives were, I wasn't taking any art classes anymore. Uh, when I got into photography in college i was like full force into the business school and had had no rhyme or reason to do anything uh creatively in terms of like visual art but 
it, it really took taking some classes and <laughs> Mike, what <a> dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> Andre is turning that bottle up. He's, he's had enough. <laughs> Strap right. uh, in, folks. Um, no, I'll keep it. I'll keep it short. Um, it did take, you know, a, a combination of, of what Mike kind of said, learning some of the technical aspects of it, to and 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 surrounding myself with creative people and 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 seeing what they were creating. Initially, trying to emulate what they were creating, but then finding my own voice out of that for me to figure out what the hell it was that I enjoyed photographing, what I wanted to commit to, to silver gelatin. And now, even though I'm not at a point where I'm super duper proud of my photography, I think, you know, we're, we're all kind of hard on, on ourselves about that stuff. But when I look at my photography now, it's a hell of a lot more creative than it was when I first started. So, I mean, I see that as progress and I see that as an example of, somebody who had no artistic expression for years and years before developing it like like hell if 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 i can do it anybody can good point good point all right all right well i'm gonna stop andre there before he goes into another big monologue but uh uh so let's get to our last subject which is coming hard uh, this is always the tough one because this is andre's topic and like it's hard to buzz him on his own topic trust me i will try because we are like oh we're like we're like we're like we're like, what, we're like eight and eight and oh like eight wins zero losses i think at this point but uh so uh we'll, we'll see where we're at see if i can buzz him but this is andre's topic and i think we're gonna get a little uh I think we're gonna. This is this is where I'm, I may have I may have to buzz him because I think he's gonna go on a monologue about this. But uh, uh but Andre, uh, what what is, what is your topic? Well, don't you dare buzz me while I'm reading the topic, asshole. <laughs> 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 um, no, this one this one was a pretty was a pretty personal one. So uh, the idea that I had was kind of how our perceptions of certain photos change when those people are no longer in our lives, uh, given kind of some of the circumstances my, in my own personal life recently, I, I'm coming at this less from a perspective of like friends or family members who have recently passed away and more so from the perspective of like partners who we're no longer with. Um, if you have rolls of film that you know have pictures in, including them or, or from trips that you've done together, memories that you've shared, uh, do you develop and scan those roles right away or, or do you allow yourself to wait a certain amount of time? Uh, what happens to like certain plans that you had to print those negatives? Like, will they ever get printed now? Um, in, in other words, uh, photographic relationship advice with Andre go <laughs> well I, I, I will i will say man like uh you know i didn't do a whole lot of um i didn't do a whole i i, I know it's, i know this might be hard to believe but i i i didn't i was not the uh the studliest guy uh in my single days i was not the most successful uh with dating or whatever but the few people i did date i mean i met manette very young and i'm very glad i met her everything worked out great but the few people i dated i, I went through what a, a year or two of like a dating phase and, 
I don't have any photos because back then it was the nineties. What are you going to do? You're on a couple of dates with this person. You're going to like whip out a camera and like <laughs> take a photo of them. Hey, we're on this date. But like, there's, there's like a couple of dates. Like, I don't even remember what the person looked like. And like, you know, I spent, you know, a couple of dates with them and it, you know, had a good time or just things, whatever, just didn't work out. But like, I kind of wished I had a photo of that. Like, you know, I kind of like to remember if, uh, if they were even, I don't know. Was I, was I ashamed of them or whatever? Like, <laughs> Or was they ashamed of me? I don't, I don't know. Like, but like, I, so I mean, the way I see it is like photography. One of the most important things about it is documenting your life. And if you're in a relationship with somebody, or even just some uh, to a, a point where maybe you just dated them for a month or two, uh, having some photos of them, man. Like, I know it's not going to be something you're going to look back on and be like, oh man, that's the one that got away, or that's a, or or that was uh, whatever. But it's all about documenting your life. And if your life was with this person for even just as, as little times a month or two, you may need, it's kind of nice to have that document to look back on because like I have so many memories from college where I didn't really take photos of not just of, like girls I dated or whatever, but like, but like just things that we did that I, we never took photos of. I, I was just thinking the other day, there's this old uh, like bowling alley. We used to go to all the time. And uh, it had, it was like one of these really, it was a tiny little bowling alley. It had like 10 lanes in it and it's like not there anymore. And I wished I had like some photos of us bowling in this boat. We used to go there all the time and uh, no, fo- no photos of it. So I just think it's important to document any phase of your life. And even though uh, uh, you may not want to see those photos right now, Andre, a year or two now, you'll be glad you have them, you know. So uh, you never know what you're going to look back on and and kind of just bring some memories that, you know, that uh, and that's the whole point. The, the biggest point of photography is documenting your life. And I just think it's important to do that. So that's my thoughts. Thanks, Papa Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I what think you that next? you should develop them now. I think that you have to process it now. Yeah. And look back on it later with different eyes. I I have a lot of pack film photos of previous relationships and then some film photos from over a decade ago and they're really fun to look back on. I wouldn't necessarily post them on Instagram because their wives probably wouldn't be stoked on it. But uh, they're pretty neat to look back on. And I think that developing them now and looking at them with how you feel now is important rather than opening up that can of worms later. You definitely don't want to post the nudes. Like just, uh, you know, that's just my... No, I've debated it, but I don't think my current boyfriend would be too stoked on that either. But <laughs> if any of my ex-boyfriends are listening to this, I will not. But I highly doubt they're listening to this. <laughs> At this point, I'm hoping your boyfriend doesn't listen. At this point, <laughs> no, he doesn't have the attention span for this. So we're all good. Most people don't. So, uh, but. <laughs> Mike, what's your thoughts, man? Well, I I haven't had that situation occur. Um, for me, I develop my film usually the next day or the day after that since I got the darkroom. Um, but thinking back, you know, I have... I've been taking pictures now 
like passionately for the last five years. But before that, it was all just disposable cameras and snapshots. And <clears throat> all those mean way more to me than any artsy picture or anything like I tried to achieve with photography right now. Like, I don't give a fuck all about that, right? I right. care way more about those snapshots from with my friends and family back with a disposable camera than I do about any picture I took with a Pentax 67 right now. Those mean nothing to me in comparison to the memories I have with my family and friends. So I would always uh, print and have a physical copy in my hand of whatever photograph that really means something to me. Because if I look back right now, oh, yeah, I took this cool picture of a shark or this tree or look what I did with this effect. Yeah, who cares about that? All I really care about is, oh, look at my son right here when he was three. Look what we were doing right then. Right. You know? that, that's what matters to me personally. But if, if you're um, in, if, say, say go back to Andre's age or whatever, and say you just dated somebody for several months and you had some good memories together and all this, uh, would you ever think that there'd be a time, maybe 10, 15 years later, you'd want to look back on those? Or do you think like, oh, no, I don't, I don't really need those in my life anymore. Where, where would you be with that? I think men are different. Yeah. Men are different with that uh, than women are. <laughs> I'm married now. I, I just keep what way conscious <laughs> photos on film. Like I could have taken them with my with my phone, but I chose yeah. to shoot them on on digital. So like I don't know. I kind of take issue. I mean, maybe I'm not. I'm not speaking on behalf of like all men, but I'm speaking on behalf of me as like a male film photographer. Of like, no, I. I'm glad that I shot those on film. I'm struggling right now to like develop them because it's gonna be painful. But I don't know. Rip that band-aid off. You're sorry about it. Yeah. Well, that's a different story then. You know, like you were the one who's like, "Hey, beat it, bro." You know, I don't want nothing to do with you. Then (laughs) might be different. If she said goodbye to you, then that's a different story, and it might be hard to develop those. So I don't know. You still want them down the line. I I will. I'm I'm always gonna want them down the line. It's just a question of like. I mean, granted, I'm also taking a fact like. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say some some colorful language, but. Matt's uh, Matt's son just <laughs> just appeared, so I don't know if he's still, if he's still within earshot. But uh, I've got the know. headphones on, so you're all safe. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Fuck you, my gutterman. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, it's it, it's it's a kind of thing where like I I am butting up on like the on the the technical notion of like, well, I don't want to like unnecessarily extend this time because latent image failure is a thing but like this person still means a lot to me we're, we're not here in- you go here's a more difficult question for you andre right when you got all these photos of your old girlfriends and then you eventually get married and your wife says why do you have all this stuff <laughs> <laughs> do you throw them out or do you keep them? <laughs> Does it matter? No, you right? Keep them. I don't like erasing history. You know. <laughs> well, I gotta, it, See I how that to... sits with your old lady. 
<laughs> I, went, I went through a scanning project where I was scanning all my wife's old like photo albums, like pre me, like her childhood and stuff. Well, then I got up to like her high school and early college before we met, and like any photo of her with one of her ex boyfriends, I just skipped over that. They didn't get scanned. <laughs> like, <everything else. laughs> nice, nice. I threw out my. Um, I've been married twice. Um, uh, so uh, with my first wife, I got married very young when I was twenty four. And basically, I threw out, she gave me, when we got divorced, she gave me half the photo album. Um, I threw all the photos out. I mean, what do I need them for? The only one I kept, I, I, it's a lie, I kept one. I kept one because it was one of me and my ex-wife and my grandmother, who's now passed away. That's the only one I kept. Mm. And I, my, my sort of idea is, well, it's gone. Like, I, I remember it. I don't need all Holly's photos laying around, taking up space, you know. Right. Yeah. Treat them like dollar point and shoot from the thrift store. <laughs> uh, uh, with that note, I think we have uh, I think we have discussed that topic, and and, yeah. and I think there's no better way to end it than right there. So, <laughs> so. I'm interested right. in the public's opinion on this. I hope there's going to be a poll on the Facebook group later. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, uh, Mike uh, Caputo, Matt Murray, it has been a, a blast having you guys on. And it was uh, as colorful a roundtable as I figured it would be. So uh, uh, thank you guys for joining us tonight, man. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, let's uh, go ahead and get our socials out and uh, so everybody can check out these fine gentlemen. Uh, Matt Murray, where do you want people to, uh, to check you out? Matt Loves Cameras on Instagram, mattlovescameras.com. Make sure you shoot some purple, lemochrome purple in the next two weeks and go to mattlovescameras.com and send me them and you'll be part of the competition and the zine. Shoot that oh, purple. I just, fo- I just followed you at Matt Loves. Is that different? That's my digital stuff. We don't talk about that in this podcast, Mike. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to delete that. I'm going to unfollow that shit right but now. That, that, that is me. That is me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike Caputo, where can people check you out? I am Aloha underscore Big Mike on the Instagram. And the same on the Flickr. And then... That's about it. <laughs> awesome. And uh, Andre? Uh, my main artsy fartsy photography account is at Andre on Film. And I've just kind of revised slash revived my, my personal less serious account at Andre uh, underscore snapshots or Andre dot snapshots. It's something like that. Nice. <laughs> and Jess, where, where can people see you? They can find me at Yes Yones on Instagram and on the Facebook group occasionally, once in a blue moon when I'm on Facebook. Awesome. You can uh, see me on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group. It is the Negative Positives Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. Uh, we also have an Instagram account under the account oh. name Negative Positives, mostly ran by 
uh, Mrs. Mrs. Rick's Roxana Angles, but we also have another person that's going to be helping us with that. Uh, Mr. Casey Hall has stepped up uh, to help us with that account, and I'm looking forward to uh, what Casey's going to do. He thinks he can help uh, help us with that account big time, and I know Roxana would appreciate it. And uh, uh, and he, you can see Casey Hall on Instagram at the Junk Book Journal and also Analog Rescue, where I believe he sells uh, some old film cameras. So uh, thanks to Casey Hall for helping us with the Instagram account. So uh, and let's see what else here. Uh, you can support this program on coffee. It is ko-fi.com slash negative positives. And uh, we have a merch site, negative positives podcast.bigcartel.com, where you can get overpriced t-shirts, coffee mugs, hats, and all that stuff. And soon an APS t-shirt when I uh, get uh, finally <laughs> upload that thing, because it is hot strength. I'm sorry. Take over by storm. Uh, but, are, they, are they a bit uh, small of those APS t-shirts? <laughs> Well, they, they they show off your muscles really well. They're they're, they're going to be very muscle hugging, hugging. So uh, they're going to yeah, definitely show off the muscles. But uh, so, but um, and uh, let's see here. Uh, and we we're going to end this thing. And we we've talked, Mr. Mike Caputo. And if you've listened to the solo shows, he's had many sea shanties uh, that we've played uh, throughout this uh, <laughs> the history of this podcast. So we're going to have him. I'm going to say the everybody stay positive thing, and he's going to sing. Uh, and shoot some cool film photos in his sea shanty voice. So I, 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 we've put this challenge out to him. Let's see if he can pull it off. But uh, that's that's where we're at with this. So, uh, folks, have a great week. Huge thanks to Matt Murray, Matt Loves Cameras, and Mr. Mike Caputo for joining us tonight. Uh, everybody stay positive. Shoot it and stay positive. ending we've had so far so <laughs> well I i'm just gonna take off pull off this bottle i'm slamming so, uh, yeah. Mike. Uh, thanks folks for listening we will talk to you soon we'll see you next week Gutter Man Cave Production!